Hello, and welcome to Sounding Out with Izzy, the podcast where we have conversations with musicians, music producers, publicists, live promoters, zine makers, journalists, and more about their experiences working in the music industry as women, non-binary, and queer people. I'm your host, Isabel Corp the founder of the Queer Femme music-based blog and YouTube channel, A Girl's Two Sound Sense. For today's episode, I catch up with NYC dream pop maven May Rio, a musician hailed by Paper Magazine as New York's current underground it girl. May and I discuss her brilliantly introspective, witty, and wryly humorous upcoming album French Bath, in addition to the cultural relevance of the emerging Dime Square music scene around the Lower East Side. We also get existential about revamped trend cycles in art and culture. And without further ado, let's get right into this episode. Well, we're here. Lovely to meet you. Lovely to meet you, too. I love that shirt you're wearing, which is great to describe for an audio medium, but for <laughs> people listening, May is wearing like a turkeys or something? They're cocks. Oh, They're a shirt pictures. of... Yeah. That is beautiful. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm good. I've had a couple late nights back to back, which is unusual for me, but I think I needed it. Needed to blow off a little steam, so it's been a slow morning. Yeah, what about you? Same here. I've been strangely, like, more anxious than usual the this past month, which is really weird. Like, I was going, I went to hang out with a friend. I just went to her apartment, and she was like, you know what's really weird is, like, we're really good friends, but I was really anxious before you came over here, and I was like, me too. Mm. Like, is there maybe, I don't know, it's just something in the air. I feel like spring, people always get that way a little bit, and everyone kind of forgets that they get that way, but there is just sort of, I don't know, it's nice to be, like, reminded of the change happening, but there can also be a bit of, like, urgency paired with that, especially, like, gearing into... You know, when you're going into the fall, you're like, okay, getting ready to like slow down and like hibernate a little bit. But in the spring, you know, summers, are you in New York? Yes, um, I am. Yeah. So like the summers here are so insane. People are just kind of like gearing up for that. Yeah. And coming out of the woodwork, coming out of hibernation. Yeah. yeah. Tell me about those late nights you had back to back. What did you do? <laughs> Well, okay, it's funny. Like last night, I I had all these plans, and then it was like kind of gloomy and rainy. And once I got home, I was like, I'm suddenly so exhausted. I cannot leave my apartment, and like I have all this work that I need to catch up on anyway. But then I never do this kind of thing. But at twelve thirty, I was like, I'm driving myself insane. I'm going to go out. And so I went to my friend's birthday party. It was like a dance kind of thing. And then the night before, I just went to a really late show at TVI. So the headliner, you know, was slated to go on at 1 a.m., but they went on later. So it's a, yeah, 
Was that the Lower Town and Shallow mm-hmm. Halo night at T? Yeah. I almost went to that. Yeah, I was like, y- you know what? I already am going to shows at eight and being like, my back hurts. I want to go home because I'm elderly, like by eight thirty to nine. So I'm like, you know what? Probably in my best interest not to go. No, I understand that. I, again, I'm shocked that I did either of these things, but uh, yeah. it sounds like it must have been a killer show though how was it it was fun yeah i mean it was cool i've never seen lower town play before so that was cool and i'm like friends with avsha and then you know i always love seeing shallow halo perform and there's a lot of friends there it was fun to see everyone yeah yeah So I guess to get started, I'm starting every episode like this for archival purposes. Would you like to state your name, what time it is, and where you are? Sure. May Rio. It's April 29th, 2023, 1.07 p.m. And we're in New York. So I'm excited to have you on here just because I feel like you're playing a major role in this whole renaissance that's happening in New York nightlife and the music scene that it feels so necessary when people are just like tired of the collective trauma that we experienced 2020 onward. And people are just like, let's party. Let's just go hard and like just do something like cathartic and just dance with each other and make like, and you did like, and you've been on tracks with like the dare and Blake the man and stuff like you're like, and now like, as we come to this album release for your solo album, how does it feel to sort of make that progression to really standing on your own and getting to present yourself to the world as your own thing? I'm really excited. It's funny because there is this like community here, which you just touched on. And, uh, but yeah, it really just feels like a group of friends and everyone's very like mutually supportive of each other. It doesn't necessarily mean that we're all making music that, you know, is along the same vein. So it's cool. I don't know what to say. I'm excited. Yeah. It's releasing music is also. Just funny, though, because I feel like, I don't know, everyone around me, like my friends have already heard this album. Just the whole process is so funny because I I do feel like so much of the time when you finally get to the point of releasing music publicly, you're just in a very different place. Like it feels, I'm still very proud of it. I'm still very excited about it, but it doesn't, I don't feel so attached to it anymore. So it is kind of funny. You get really excited about releasing music, but it's also very anticlimactic, not in like a depressing way. It's just kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah. I I did this. Here it is. So, yeah. <laughs> and when did you start creating music of your own? I was in a band for a few years when I first moved to New York, and I didn't really, um, that was like my first serious music project. I didn't, aside from like really basic piano lessons I took from a little old lady when I was a kid, I, I didn't like play music growing up. I couldn't play guitar or really piano or anything. And so yeah, I had this one serious music project, the band I was in, and then during the pandemic, is 
when I started writing songs, not for the band, just to keep for myself, just kind of looking for another outlet. And uh, yeah, it was like a very, this project has just felt very natural, I guess, in terms of how it's moved forward. Yeah. That's really yeah. cool, though. I guess, well, I love hearing stories about how, because what, what's really cool to me is that like, when people are working, like, especially artists are like working through their own stuff on their own, and then making that discovery like, oh, this is cool. I think I want to share this. You end up giving audiences like so much in the process. And like the fact that that's never ever the intention when you're making it. Yeah. yeah. is really interesting. Well, yeah, what you what you just said kind of nails what I didn't say, which is like, I, I did like with this solo project it did come from just like a very different place of I don't know like when I started it there wasn't a real intention to do anything with it it was just something I needed to do for myself and once I started recording with this guy Michael I was just like really excited about what we had and I just hit up this guy Tom who has since become a close friend of mine but he he runs DPI and I just like asked him to if it'd be okay if I like sent him a few songs and but yeah it, it's like that wasn't the that wasn't the mo initially and that wasn't even part of what I saw this becoming initially which I think you know was really good for the music and for me making it yeah yeah I bet and this album is a really fun and I love how like self-aware and like wryly humorous it is <laughs> like when I read about the catalyst about and it's also very relatable like the song aspartame for example being about like a toxic friendship that you had to let go that hit I feel like that hits a little too close to home for almost everybody <laughs> our <laughs> age especially like as more of our social life gets like wired into like the digital space and the internet and people don't even want to call each other anymore something that I think you hit on when the song was released was that it felt good to let go of that relationship yeah I mean it's funny I feel like since I feel like before the pandemic friendship breakups weren't really ever like talked about or acknowledged and I think like maybe during the pandemic, people just had time to like slow down and like really, I feel like there was more of a discourse on taking friendships very seriously, sometimes like as seriously as romantic relationships or more seriously. And I feel like for the first time in the past few years, there has been just more conversation about friendship breakups and how like actually common that is. And, you know, it makes sense that like people would have such deep shame tied to friendship breakups because you know with the romantic relationships a lot of times people just like expect them to end and you know you have to like break up with someone in order to like be with someone who makes more sense for you but like friendships you don't you don't have to like break up with a friend to have other friends but yeah I think that's something really everyone goes through. And I think it's, 
I think it's really nice that that's being acknowledged as true now because it doesn't mean there's something wrong with you or that like you're a failure as a person. Like sometimes people grow out of each other. Sometimes people, you know, and the, I won't say too much, but the person that aspartame is about had like an alcohol problem. And that was really hard for me to be a friend to that person. Have you listened to the new Blonde Shell record? I've never heard of them. Yeah, they're definitely like new artists who seemingly emerged like out of nowhere. But there's one song called Sober Together where she says, call me, I want to be there for you, but not in a way that lets you take me down with you. And that I feel like is like definitely like tantamount to being like the friend who becomes a caregiver and being like, I can't make this a full-time job, you know? And that's also very common a lot of the time. But yeah, great record. Definitely would (laughs) recommend. Also, so did you have studio time or was it mostly tracked at home or virtually? So most, the majority of the album was tracked at this guy Michael's place. His project is Tony or Tony. So... At first he was in Bed-Stuy, then he moved to Ridgewood. So it was just like at his home studio. And then after that, I kind of like took all the stems and finished them off. I like had more live instrumentation this time around. So I brought in my friend like Greg Reckin, who did some like, I guess you'd call it analog drumming, not program drumming. And my friend Adam Smith on guitar, Patrick Latham on synth and piano, and just like added more elements. So some of that was done. My friend Eamon has a space called Living Rooms. And then also my friend Johnny has a space in Greenpoint. So it was a hodgepodge of studios as as it often goes, you know. But all all in New York. Yeah. And One of the songs I wanted to ask about was two, actually two songs, uh, NYC UMT and Mr. Horny Puke Man. (laughs) Great titles. (laughs) How did those songs come about? NYC UMT is actually a song I had started writing before the pandemic, but it was only like, it was like half as long. And so a UMT, I don't know where this came from. I'm sure I didn't make it up, but like, I don't know where I would have gotten it. It's UMT is an unemployed model type. And I just thought it was funny. It's like a joke song. And but you know, it's like, obviously kind of dark as also. And then Mr. Horny Puke Man, I won't say who, but yeah, I, I think like around the pandemic, my friend had a birthday party just like at his apartment and he was like making everyone Negronis and my other friend puked on the train on on his way home and I just I just thought it was really funny so I I wrote a song like inspired by that event but you know it's definitely just inspired by it it's not like true necessarily yeah right and I also like so you're also a person who's been really immersed in a lot of the music and nightlife intersection sphere in the city and so what can you tell me about how that sort of like functions as a creative space 
because I'm not all too familiar. I haven't been to like We Take Manhattan or like frequencies and stuff like that, but I see like people there often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. I am very social, but I'm not really like, <laughs> I mean, you might not believe this from how we like started this conversation out but I'm not like much of a party girl and uh, it's kind of my friend's joke that I'm always kind of like reluctantly at an event like I'm always I like you know I'm not I'm not shy like I'm very outgoing but like at the end of the day I am an introvert and I need time alone and I love being home and I feel like a lot of the time I'm like, like, I really don't want to go out tonight. And then I will often end up out anyway. And I always enjoy, enjoy, I, I never regret going out, you know, but I'm, I'm, yeah, partying is not like, I'm not much of one, I don't think. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny because I go to these things because my friends put them on, but if they were going to like host like a gardening party or like a, you know, I would just like go to anything that my friends put on. I'm I'm not necessarily going to these things because they're nightlife. You know, it just happens to be what they're doing creatively. It's funny. I mean, yeah, I think for a while I had kind of a hard time just kind of figuring out where my music fit in with everyone else's because a lot of my friends do kind of make more party music like where you can go out and like really like dance to it and I love that it's so fun but my music doesn't quite that's not quite where it lands I think I'm I think I'm hmm How's it tied to my like creative process? I think just like being inspired by like my friends and by their energy and their enthusiasm. And I do just feel like there's a very, I don't know, it's a really special time to like be a musician in New York right now. Everyone's just like, there's a lot to be excited about. And, and I feel like people are really excited for each other rather than just focusing on what they're doing, you know? And I think like, I think being able to be excited about the people around you and having them be excited about what you're doing totally fuels you doing what you're doing, you know? Yeah. If Shallow Halo hosted a gardening party, I would definitely RSVP. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I'm like, what is a gardening party? I'm not sure. (laughs) But yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's, I, that's, I relate. Yeah, it's fun to just, like, go out when you know that you're going to run into all the usual suspects. It's also just nice to, like, show up and, like, support, you know? It's like, yeah, I know I'm going to see friends of mine at these events, but I'm also, like, showing up to support this event that my friend has put on. So, like, that makes it feel good also. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely a big part of, like, why I usually pay admission more often now, especially when my friends put on these events. Cause like when you ask people to put you on the guest list, you're, you're not, you're not like, I don't know, you're not really helping them like meet the quota and stuff like that. Yeah. So that, so yeah. That's very good of you. <laughs> so, so like supporting is important. And I try to do that like as much as, is 
as much as it's financially feasible for me, it's yeah. not always. So like yeah. limited, but try to do it as much as I can. <laughs> Where do you yeah. like to go out to shows? Well, I do production at the Broadway, so I can get free admission there. So usually you'll see me there. I love going to a lot of TV eyes and not of like one of my favorites as well. It's a great space, great food. I know the food's so good. I like what else? I don't often go to a lot of Manhattan venues, but Arlene's in Berlin, I feel like they're trying to bring especially like the people booking there are trying to bring a lot of that like sort of DIY like ethos to those more established venues which is nice to see especially because like I was having it's interesting I was having a conversation with a co-worker at the Broadway last night and she was telling me about how like she used to do stuff for like ABC No Rio and they're trying to like sort of reopen that space but because of like development and stuff like that, like they're not, it's been really difficult. So the way that they have to do it is like, like this is an elevator. Like you have to pitch yourself like it's a job interview. So, and you have to use very specific phrases. So they're saying when they're pitching it, like, oh, we're not, it's not a DIY space. It's an art gallery. Mm-hmm. And they were like, okay, you can have it. Wild. <laughs> That's so funny. I never saw the old ABC No Rio. And I was always kind of confused on whether it was a space or a collective. Or maybe it was a space and then a collective. I'm not sure. I'm not all too familiar with it either because just like I wasn't around when it was like still going. I I I would say it probably was a collective, like Mm. most likely. But yeah, Alphaville, Alphaville reopening. I could not be more grateful that it's back. <laughs> That's where most of my friends are. It's where yeah. most of them are hosting, putting on shows or bartending and stuff like that. So, yeah. The food there is also so good. I haven't had the food yet. That's awesome. I mean, I haven't been since the reopening, but I remember just like always being very excited. Like, whenever we'd play there, like, really looking forward to the bar food. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what What about you? What are some of your favorite, like, spots and local haunts to frequent at, like, shows or just nights out? Yeah, I definitely go to Babies quite a lot. I'm actually, my friend is having a show there tonight that I'm going to DJ. That's probably the number one, <laughs> like, venue. It's also fun to go to things that are not really in venues and just kind of like one-off events. Yeah, I try and mix it up. But like my friend, like Matt Starr, puts on these readings. So it's not like a music event, but he'll put them on in like weird spaces. Like the last one I went to was in the basement of Sabaro's Pizza in Midtown. And that was like a really, just really strange, you know, but like very fun for that reason. And so, yeah, I, I think like, I mean, I love New York so much, but I, I think it's like really important to strike a balance of having your like haunts, your regular spots, but also not getting too comfortable with that. And, yeah. uh, you know, reminding yourself that what else is being offered. Yeah. 
Definitely. You keep the good magic to, going. Yeah. Good to have the variety. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. What was... I was just onto something and then I lost it. Shoot. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I guess I can, I'll also ask about, like, making girls because like i'm sure you guys couldn't have been aware of like the massive cultural behemoth that that would become while it was being created but like how did it like even come about like did it originally start like as a as like a serious like effort or was it originally like i don't know like just something to do to like fuck around and find out for fun like how did that even come about oh it's funny i had like harrison had sent me this demo like proper demo again during the pandemic and I thought it was so good it like it sounded very different than you know like what it ended up becoming but I think anyone who had heard girls like even the earlier version was like this is a fucking banger like this is Harrison's maybe his best song to date like this is so good and then yeah I think it like went through a lot of iterations like honestly I'm you know, I never like thought about like what it would look like once Harrison put it out. But like there is I don't think there was any doubt in anyone's mind that it would be like, you know, pretty big. But I think like, yeah, the version that Allison and I ended up singing on, I think it was around Christmas. Like I remember we were all visiting family in Harrison. He's, you know, he's done this a few times, but he just like texted asking if like we would be down to throw some vocals on. So like I, there's like a bunch of family at my parents' house and it's a pretty small house. So I just went into like their bedroom, which is furthest away from the living room and like spread out my interface on their bed and, you know, just like shouted into the interface and I think Allison's situation was pretty similar I can't remember if she went in a closet or something but it was very like you know it's not like we went into some nice studio and and did that it was you know just done at home it's it's funny like it's funny the song is this real party song but to like actually if you got a snapshot of what it looked like at least like on my end contributing my part I'm just like on my parents bed (laughs) you know yeah it was fun yeah I love that but yeah it's like interesting to see I don't know how like met like meta like you're into getting about like this whole like I don't know if you've heard about this theory about the 20 year cycle which was like theorized by these two philosophers like forever ago where basically yeah yes it's called oh the generational theory that's what it's called it was like devised by the two philosophers William Strauss and Neil Howe which described like a theory that recurring generational cycles in American history and western history and historical events occur like every 20 years which a lot of people have been attributing to the whole like revival cycles we're seeing whether it's with pop punk or indie sleaze or stuff like that but I think that's like an interesting thing to think about too yeah trend cycles are also funny because I think like it must be true that just like with the internet and with the faster pace of not only like information being transmitted but like things being able 
to be produced, whether it's fashion or music or anything, like I think these cycles get much smaller, you know, like it's funny you say 20 year cycle because I think of like the 80s, how that was so much of that fashion was based off of the 40s. So that's like 40 mm-hmm. years later. And then I, I don't know like when this theory that you just mentioned was put out, but I wonder if it was like after the 80s. And it's like at that point, the trend cycle had already gotten tighter. And now I feel mm-hmm. like it must be less than 20 years. Like it must be like 10. Yeah, probably. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It's also interesting to see. I don't know. I yeah, there's there's so much to to like pick apart here. It's interesting to see like I I feel like when we when we look back at past decades or whatever, there's like a very clear aesthetic that defined a certain decade and it's interesting. I feel like that doesn't really exist anymore. There's a lot more like individuality and you know, people like change their own presentation so often anyway that like they're nothing like sticks long enough to be like the thing that would define an era. But then it's also funny, like I I wonder, maybe there's no validity to this at all, but I wonder if actually these like, you know, packaged, like, you know, you think of the 80s and the, you know, shoulder pads and you know, whatever else, like, you just wonder like, oh, I like how, how much of this is just being like, how much more was there going on? And it's just like been packaged in this way, because it's just easier to package something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, yeah. I yeah, just, yeah. Just thinking. It's yeah, no, I hear what you're saying. Like how many things that were how many other interesting like I don't know cultural cycles were happening that might have been completely glossed over and omitted from history yeah like it, it'll it be interesting to see any like movies or tv shows like made in the future but set in this time and see how relevant that feels to the people who were actually there it's like maybe maybe just like one trend will like stick to you know the the future like representation of this era but it won't be like it won't be like a common trend or anything it'll just be like one thing that like someone remembered and like promoted you know Mm -hmm. so and that eventually becomes the thing that sticks yeah yeah Yeah. and to ask a little more about the record, what did the title like French Bath stem from? That so French Bath is like if you're, you know, like stinky and you should take a shower, but instead you just cover it up with perfume. That's a French Bath. So I just thought that was funny, and I I also I also like it because I feel like if you don't think about what it means, it sounds very like elegant sultry and I don't know just and I I like things that are kind of maybe double-sided isn't the word but you know have more than one angle I guess yeah yeah 
I I love that. Yeah, because like the the yeah, when you hear it like orally, like oh, French bath, it sounds yeah. like very <laughs> elegant and yeah, but in reality, how you just described it and what it actually is, like, that, that also sounds, yep, very French. That yeah. tracks. <laughs> <laughs> and what show are you going to at Babies tonight, out of curiosity? Yeah, tonight Hotline TNT is playing, and then Toner, who's from Oakland, they're playing also. Cool. I've heard good things about Toner. Yeah, people seem to really like them a lot. Like, people seem to be really into them. But I, I'm sure I've heard their music before, but it's been a while. So, it should be fun. It's like, I haven't been to, I don't know if they would call it a punk show, but I will. I haven't been to a show like that in a while. So, yeah. Well, I saw Hotline play like a week ago, actually, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. Babies is a nice venue. I went to see, I think the last time I was there, I saw Warm Doucher, and that was a trip, because that was the first time I'd ever seen, like, some dude crowd surfing and walking on the ceiling simultaneously, and, like, never would have expected that to be at Babies, of all places, but it was a trip. (laughs) Yeah. who is this? Warm Doucher? Warm Doucher. Like, it's, I think it's, like... (laughs) A, like German. Okay. It's like you're familiar with Viagra Boys, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's kind of like Viagra Boys, but with a disco flair and also on steroids. Ooh, That's how I would describe Warm That Dishon. sounds awesome. Yeah, it's r- really awesome. And also, what else do you have like going on like around? the album release is it going to coincide with like a release party or show or something like that there's going to be a new york release show on june 22nd and then there will be an la show an la release show july 7th so i'm really excited because we haven't played la yet and it's about time and uh, yeah i'm i'm hoping to do a tour this year so we're trying to make that happen also yeah it should be fun i'm very excited for the release show yeah that sounds like it's gonna be really fun what have you decided where you're gonna host the la release the la i'm gonna i might get this name wrong because i just don't know la venues but i think it's called like the genghis maybe genghis something and then the new york show is gonna be a babies there's no announcements other than the album being out so yeah instagram may rio sambera at may rio sambera got a youtube channel going love youtube i have a tiktok i don't know if i should be plugging my tiktok it's not it's fun but it's dumb you know and those are those are the places i am <laughs> well thanks again for coming on may um for chatting i had a blast Thank you so much. It was really nice speaking with you. And yeah, I hope you have a lovely weekend. Thank you so much for listening to Sounding Out with Izzy. And thank you again to May Rio for joining me. French Bath will be out on all DSPs June 16th. 
remember to subscribe and sign up for the mailing list on my YouTube channel and written blog, both under the name A Girl's Two Sound Sense. Give the podcast a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for listening, and I will catch you in the next episode of Sounding Out with Izzy.